Welcome to A History of Pandemics. I'm Megan, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this podcast, we delve into some of history's most devastating epidemics and pandemics. In honor of last month being Pride Month, this episode dives into the HIV AIDS pandemic, which is still ongoing today and disproportionately affects those belonging to the LGBTQ2IA community. With this in mind, the majority of the episode will be focused on the effects of HIV and AIDS in the Western Hemisphere, in particular, the United States of America. You can find all episodes of the podcast for free on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. To listen to A History of Pandemics, just click on the app and type in A History of Pandemics into the search bar. And now, back to the episode. HIV AIDS is often clumped together, but it's important to make a distinction between the two. HIV, which stands for Human Immunodeficiency Virus, is a virus that infects the body. If the infection is not treated, it can lead to AIDS, also known as Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome. According to the International Community on Taxonomy of Viruses, the HIV virus is classified under the genus Lentivirus, which is a subcategory of retroviruses. So what's a retrovirus? Retroviruses operate differently from quote-unquote regular viruses. When a normal virus enters a host cell, the virus injects its DNA into that of the cell and uses the cell's mechanisms to replicate the viral DNA. After this, the viral DNA can code for specific proteins through two processes called transcription and translation. These proteins will then group together to form new viruses. However, according to the National Human Genome Research Institute, retroviruses inject their RNA into the host cell instead, which through a process called reverse transcriptase creates the viral DNA. The DNA is then inserted into the host cell as normal and the process continues the same way. This is why retroviruses have the retro prefix, which means backwards, since their method of replication is backwards from how it is normally done. HIV is spread through several methods that all involve contact with bodily fluids. According to the Center for Disease Control, HIV can often be transmitted through sharing injection equipment, such as needles and syringes, with someone who has HIV. Additionally, HIV-positive mothers could transmit the disease to their child during pregnancy, childbirth, and breastfeeding. This is called perinatal transmission. However, the most infamous method of HIV transmission is through sex, specifically vaginal sex and anal sex. Later in the episode, we will explain why this is important. The HIV virus is thought to have come from chimpanzees in Central Africa. According to the Center for Disease Control, it is presumed that humans hunted HIV-positive chimpanzees for food and were in contact with their blood. Over the last couple of centuries, HIV slowly spread from Africa to all over the world. The United States is presumed to have cases of HIV beginning in the 1970s, although the HIV slash AIDS pandemic did not begin until 1981. Similar to another deadly disease, cancer, HIV infection can be classified into stages of severity. 
The first stage is acute HIV infection, where infected people have mild flu-like symptoms, such as a fever, chills, muscle aches, and fatigue, among others. This usually occurs around two to four weeks after the virus has entered one's body. This first stage is also when infected people have a high viral load of HIV in their body. The second stage is called chronic HIV infection, also known as asymptomatic HIV infection or clinical latency, as described by the Center of Disease Control. This is the stage where infected people are able to transmit the disease to others. Additionally, at the stage of infection, people may not see any symptoms. This phase can last a decade or even longer with proper treatment, but some people may progress faster to the next stage. Without treatment, infected individuals will progress to stage three, which is AIDS. At this time, one's immune system is severely damaged and makes infected individuals more prone to dying from infections that would otherwise be tolerable for people with a healthy immune system. On average, once a person is diagnosed with AIDS, they can live for another three years. These three stages thus show that someone who has AIDS is HIV positive, but someone who is HIV positive does not necessarily have AIDS, so it's important to not conflate between the two terms. Now, onto the beginnings of the HIV AIDS pandemic in North America. In North America, AIDS was first diagnosed in 1981. At this time, retroviruses were found in the T white blood cells of leukemia patients and scientists hypothesized that a similar virus, or that virus, was causing AIDS. In 1983, Luc Montagnier and his team at the Pasteur Institute in Paris managed to isolate retroviruses from a 33-year-old patient with AIDS-like symptoms. They discovered that this virus was only able to infect T cells, but not B cells. This virus would turn out to be the one responsible for HIV and leading to AIDS complications. In 2008, Montagnier and his partner, Françoise Barré-Sinoussi, were awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine for their contributions to the isolation of the HIV virus. I would also like to mention someone else of note, Gaetan Dugas, a Canadian flight attendant, long believed to be the first AIDS patient in North America until recently disproven. While Dugas was one of the first people to contract HIV in North America, his designation as quote-unquote patient zero of the North American AIDS outbreak is incorrect. In March of 1984, a study was made to track the HIV cases in gay and bisexual men in California and New York. Dugas was part of the study and was labeled quote-unquote patient O to indicate that he resided out of state since he was from Quebec. At some point, the O was changed to the number zero, and that's where the misconception began that Dugas was responsible for bringing the disease to North America. Decades later, in 2016, a group of scientists led by Dr. Michael Warobi examined the blood samples of gay and bisexual men dating to the late 1970s and concluded that Dugas could not have been patient zero. Unfortunately, the same month that Dugas was labeled patient zero, he died at the age of 32 from kidney failure due to complications from AIDS. Fortunately, at this time, there is no cure for HIV slash AIDS found yet. If people are found to be diagnosed with HIV, antiviral medication is given to prevent the progression of the disease into AIDS. This way, the person can still live a relatively normal life. However, in February of 2022, scientists in the United States reported that they may have been able to cure a woman of HIV for the first time using a stem cell transplant method. 
While the exact details of the procedure are unclear, I sincerely hope in the future that this treatment can be used on a larger population of HIV-positive people to officially cure people of the disease. Now, onto the public perception of HIV. I would like to provide a trigger warning regarding the discrimination of people in the LGBTQ community, as well as for those who are HIV positive, as some quotes may be disturbing for some. When the HIV slash AIDS pandemic broke out in the 1980s in North America, the Reagan administration was in charge of the government. To say that they handled the pandemic response badly is a sore understatement. According to Scott Kalonico in his documentary, When AIDS Was Funny, audio clips between Larry Speaks, Reagan's press secretary, and Lester Kinsolving, a reporter, show their nonchalant attitude about the pandemic and decide to call it the quote-unquote gay plague. Here's an ex excerpt of their exchange, which I will read out loud. Here's an excerpt of their exchange, which I will read out loud. Lester Kinsolving. Does the president have any reaction to the announcement by the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta that AIDS is now an epidemic in over 600 cases? Larry speaks. AIDS? I haven't got anything on it. Kinsolving. Over a third of them have died. It's known as quote-unquote gay plague. Press poll after. No, it is. It's a pretty serious thing. One in every three people that get this have died. And I wonder if the president was aware of this. Speaks. No, I don't have it. Bracket, press pull after. Do you? Kinsolving, you don't have it? Well, I'm relieved to hear that, Larry. Bracket, press pull after. Larry speaks. Do you? Kinsolving, no, I don't. Speaks. You didn't answer my question. How do you know? Kinsolving, does the president, in other words, the White House, look on this as a great joke? Speaks. No, I don't know anything about it, Lester. Here is another exchange between Speaks and Kinsolving in 1984, when the pandemic has significantly worsened. Speaks. Lester is beginning to circle now. He's moving up front. Go ahead. Kinsolving. Since the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta report is going to... Speaks. This is going to be an AIDS question. Kinsolving. That an estimated... Speaks. You were close. Kinsolving. Can I ask the question, Larry? that an estimated 300,000 people have been exposed to AIDS, which can be transmitted through saliva. Commenters note, this is false. HIV can only be transmitted through blood, semen, precum, rectal fluids, vaginal fluids, and breast milk. Close bracket. Will the president, as commander-in-chief, take steps to protect armed forces, food, and medical services from AIDS patients, or those who run the risk of spreading AIDS in the same manner that they bed typhoid fever people from being involved in the health or food services? speaks. I don't know. Kinsolving. Is the president concerned about this subject, Larry? Speaks. I haven't heard him express concern. Kinsolving. That seems to have evoked some... Kinsolving. That seems to have evoked such jocular reaction here. Kinsolving. No, but I mean, is he going to do anything, Larry? Speaks. Lester, I've not heard him express anything. Sorry. Kinsolving. You mean he has expressed no opinion about this epidemic? speaks. No, but I must confess I haven't asked him about it. Kinsolving. Will you ask him, Larry? Speaks. Have you been checked? Unidentified person. Is the president going to ban mouth-on-mouth -mouth kissing? Kinsolving. What? Pardon? I didn't hear your answer. Speaks. Ah, it's hard work. I don't get paid enough. 
Um, is there anything else we need to do here? So not only do these conversations show absolute disrespect, the misinformation, such as assuming HIV could be spread through saliva, caused massive fear-mongering among the general public, who did not know anything better. Even after the pandemic worsened, the Reagan administration still did nothing to address the issue. In fact, the president himself would not even publicly name the disease until 1985, while the first lady, Nancy Reagan, was more aware of the situation's direness than her husband, her handling of the pandemic can also be described as callous. Rock Hudson, a popular film actor who was friends with the first lady and a closeted homosexual, contracted HIV in 1984. Around a year later, he had a skin irritation which turned out to be Kaposi's sarcoma, which led to him finding out that he had AIDS. In July of that year, Hudson collapsed in the lobby of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Paris and was sent to the American hospital at Neuilly-sur-Seine. His publicist contacted the White House, specifically the First Lady, to help move Hudson to a French military hospital. The First Lady declined to help, however, and Hudson would die two months later in Los Angeles. Since the first antiviral treatment for AIDS did not come into effect until 1987, it is unlikely that the French military hospital could have significantly helped Hudson, but the First Lady's actions, or lack thereof, cast a dark mark over the memories of the Reagan administration. Decades after the HIV AIDS pandemic, there is still a huge stigma around those diagnosed with the disease. A great deal of misinformation continues to lead to public myths about the condition, which leads to unwarranted discrimination. While HIV diagnosis and treatment has significantly improved since its onset, numerous cases still occur in the global south, which should not be ignored. As we move into a hopefully more progressive world, we should take the time to be mindful of the impact HIV and AIDS has had on people, in particular society's most marginalized communities, and work to be more inclusive to people still living with this illness. Thank you for listening to A History of Pandemics. All episodes of A History of Pandemics are available for free on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can stream the podcast on your computer, phone, tablet, or any other electronic device wherever you are. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast on Spotify. See you next time.